Well, hey, everybody, good morning. It is great to see you. Did you know that every time that you come to church with a heart to worship God, that you are making a statement about your priorities? And I want to tell you, congratulations. You made a great choice to come to church today. God has some good things that he wants to pour into your life. You're setting a course for your whole year. And God wants to help make your life and your year better. In fact, that's the name of the series that we're currently in. And we have an outline for today's message. It's the light green sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you, take this out and use it to follow along. And last week, Pastor Dwayne, he kicked off this series by talking to us about how to live with better vision. And this idea, he kind of talked about that we all have this vision of our ideal self. Like what my perfect weight would be and my a good financial situation, what that would look like and how I want all my relationships to be marked with love and peace. But guys, think about it. We're only three weeks into the new year and already we ate the ice cream, right? Like the whole carton. And already we spent more money than we intended. And already we've had three fights with our spouses. And sometimes when you set these lofty goals that you want to be perfect, and then when you fail, you think, why do I even try? I'll never be perfect. Well, friends, as, as it was said earlier, perfect is an illusion that leads us to frustration and pretending. So last week, Pastor Dwayne, he talked about how living with better vision, would you write this down? Living with better vision is when you focus on progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. In fact, I want to honor one of my heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who captures this idea of progress over perfection when he said this, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, what? Keep moving. You can make progress. You can make things better. In fact, that captures the heart of this whole series that basically what we're trying to say is start where you're at, figure out where God wants you to focus and cooperate with God to make things better. And today I want to talk to you about how you can live with better priorities. We're going to continue in our study of 1 Timothy, and let me tell you, it's important, you know, whenever you read the Bible, especially when you're looking at different verses, it's always important to try to understand the context. So the context of 1 Timothy is this, the Apostle Paul, he's coaching and he's mentoring this young man named Timothy. He actually calls Timothy his son in the faith. And Timothy's the pastor of this church in Ephesus where the church is kind of having some challenges with false teachers who are coming in and they're creating, creating disunity. So Paul is writing to Timothy, he's coaching Timothy, and he writes him this letter to encourage and equip Timothy so that the church could be, get better and so that we could get better. And right on your outline, Paul starts out in the very first chapter, he gives the purpose, like the goal of why he wrote this letter, and I want you to see it. So look in your outline in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, Paul writes to Timothy, he said, the purpose or the goal or the reason that I'm writing this letter, the, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers, 
which means that includes us, that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. You see, Paul's heart was to train Timothy so that he could help the church to make progress in love, progress in character, progress in faith. And then we jump over to chapter 4 where he goes on to write this. He says, then he says this, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Now let's stop right here for a second. I, I don't know how many of you had an argument over a wives' tale this week. Most of us were not doing that, but this verse does highlight a struggle that every person here faces. And here's the struggle. All of us Sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes we get distracted and we waste time on stuff that doesn't matter. Sometimes you can give your energy, your passion, your, your, your resources, your time to godless ideas or old wives' tales or stuff that in the end, it doesn't help make you or your life or those around you better. So Paul goes on to give a better idea. He says, instead, what? Train yourself. Underline that phrase, train yourself. Instead of wasting all this time getting distracted, train yourself to be godly. He's making the point that godliness, and he's, he's saying here, like, godliness is not something that just happens automatically. You don't just show up in a church service, sit down and say, you know, I'm here at church, I believe in God, I'm a good person, so boom, I'm godly. Friends, it doesn't work that way. There's a training process where you have to engage. You have to exercise your faith if you will. But can I tell you, with God's help in this process, do you know that you can become a better person? You can live a better life. You are not stuck. You can change. So maybe you're, you're an angry person and you have anger issues, but by God's grace, with his help, you can change and you can become a person whose life is marked with, uh, he can change you into a loving and patient, patient person. Or maybe you used to be depressed and overwhelmed with anxiety, but over time in a process, he can change you where you live with peace and joy or you used to be addicted, but now you're free. See, what Paul is highlighting is there, there's a training process, much like an athlete who trains to run a race. And over time, friends, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know over time, your mind changes, your heart changes, your actions change, and as a result, you become more godly. Let me see if I can explain it this way. I'm part of a Spartan group. We train every Tuesday night right here at 6.30. So if you want to get in shape, you want to work out, uh, if you're interested, write Spartan on your communication card or just show up here Tuesday night at 6.30 and come ready to work out. Because in our Spartan group, we have this, this coach who, man, she tore, I mean, she trains us. I almost said torture. She trains us. She gives us these exercises like squats and tire flips and spear throws. And of course, we always do burpees. Now, I call those barfies because after 15, you want to barf, I promise. But she gives us all these exercises. She trains us. But here's the deal. When it says train yourself, 
It means ultimately, I need to do my own burpees. My coach can't do them for me. You see, many times we want someone else to take responsibility for my life, my growth, my progress. We want someone else to do the training for us. Guys, you understand, many of us, we're not growing the way we could because we still think it's someone else's responsibility, someone else's job. It's my pastor's job to help me grow. It's my life group leader's job. It's my spouse's job. Or if you're a student, maybe you think, it's my parents' job. But friends, listen to me. God wants to have a real relationship with you. God wants you to develop your own faith that's genuine and true, where you take ownership and it's truly yours. The Apostle Paul says this, train yourself to be godly. So ultimately, would you write this down? Ultimately, my growth is my responsibility. In fact, to drive this home, let's just say, let's just say that out loud, everyone together. My growth is my responsibility. Paul goes on to say in driving this home in the next verse in 1 Timothy 4, 18. Let's walk through this together. Paul goes on to say, he says, physical training is what? It's good. It's good to go to the gym. It's good to watch your diet. It's good to drink your smoothies. Friends, that's all good. It's good stuff. But then he goes on to say, but training for godliness is what? Much better. Not just better, but much better. See, Paul is making the contrast, and, and the Bible does this all the time. It says, hey, there are some things in life that are good, but there are some other things that are better. And he says in this verse, godliness is much better, and he tells us why, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. He's saying godliness, it has more weight, more significant. There's a, there's a longer-term impact when you invest in your faith journey and your character. And the big takeaway that I want you to get from these verses, would you write this down, is that better progress, better progress comes from better priorities. Better progress from better priorities. If you want to make progress in any area of your life, you need better priorities. So for example, if you want to make better progress spiritually, you need to set some better priorities. I think a good way to illustrate a great story in the Bible, in Luke chapter 10, the story of, of Mary and Martha. Do you know it? Jesus is in town. He actually comes over to their house for dinner to teach. He's sitting in the living room, and Mary, man, immediately, she just sits at the feet of Jesus because she wants to listen to what he has to say. But Martha thinks, oh, I have all these people. i got to get dinner ready. She's running all through the house trying to get the house ready, set the table, cook the dinner. And she's so focused on the dinner. And friends, hear me. Is, is Martha doing something bad? She doing something? Friends, we all know dinner is good, right? Can I get an amen? Dinner is good. But she got, she got so distracted by the good, she missed out on what was best. And in the midst of that, she's getting frustrated. She's getting overwhelmed. She even goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you care? How many times out of frustration and stress, we, we, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus says to her in Luke 10, he says, Martha, Martha, you're distracted and overwhelmed by so many things. 
But in this case, there's only one thing that was important. And Mary has chosen what is better, and we're not going to take it away from her. So friends, let me ask you, what about you? Do you get so busy and distracted that you find it hard to take to make time to be with Jesus, to get to church, to read your Bible, to say your prayers? Are you so overwhelmed and frustrated? Maybe you need to make some better priorities. Or like married couples. Some of you, you want to make progress in your marriage, but you're stuck in the same place. Maybe you need some better priorities. I know so many couples with kids and they love their kids so much, but then they make everything about the kids, and they put the kids first, and then they wonder why their marriage struggles. Or some of you, you want to do better in your finances, and you're stuck, and you want to get out of debt, you want to start living by a budget, but you don't want to trust God by putting him first in your generosity. Friends, here's what I'm saying. When your priorities are out of whack or out of order, you're going to stay stuck in the same ruts and nothing will ever get better. If you want to make progress, you need what? Better priorities. Now, this passage we looked at, there's some, some takeaways from that. Like there are two powerful and practical implications for your life and mine, and they're there on your outline. Would you write this down? Here's the first implication, first spiritual implication about priorities. Not every good thing is equally important. Not every good thing is equally important. And as you wrestle with this implication, the question that comes up when you're weighing your priorities is how much does it matter? How much does it matter? Now let's get real practical here. This is a time of year where many parents, they're gearing up to sign up their kids for little league and spring soccer and dance class and karate lessons. And, and friends, listen to me. I know firsthand because when our kids were young, Tim played baseball in little league. Sierra did her dance class. And then we had a kids program here on Wednesday night. And then we have weekend services here at church. And sometimes, I don't know if you ever felt this, but sometimes I felt like, man, you have to have a master's degree in logistics just to get your kids to all their stuff. You ever feel that way? Well, friends, let, let me ask you. Here's, here's the deal. Little League, friends, is good. Dance class is good. Getting your kids in spring soccer is good. They, they make friends. They learn to play on a team. They get physical exercise. All good things. But you want to step back and ask, how much does it matter? Or is it more important that my kids come to their student group on Wednesday night and that as a family we're in church on the weekend worshiping God together? Is that more important? Friends, absolutely. Now, now, God bless you, you're here. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone because you're already here. I'm just making the point, not every good thing is equally important. And the danger here is you can begin to orient your life around your kids' stuff over God's priorities. And let me say loud and clear, parents, let me say this clearly. More than soccer and dance class and little league, your kids need parents who are clear on ultimate priorities. Parents who put a stake in the ground and say God, and who will say God gets first place in our hearts and in our 
homes. And Jesus, he made it clear, friends, there's no doubt. There's no uncertainty on this. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 6.33 on your outline where Jesus said, but seek first. Put first. Prioritize first place God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying in all the good things that come your way, make sure that you keep God first over all other things. In fact, he echoes this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. He says, the most important thing you're going to do, your highest priority, is love God first with all your heart, soul, and mind. Keep that priority straight. Build your life around that priority. And then carefully choose the other stuff as you have margin for it. That's the first implication. The second implication is this. Would you write this down? Not every good thing is equally significant. It isn't, friends. There are great things that matter right now. Like, can I just tell you? The 49ers are very significant right now. They, they matter right now to a lot of people, myself included. In fact, on a side note, man, I am thanking God that their game today is this afternoon and not this morning. <laughs> because if it was, I might be preaching to crickets, right? Because we'd all be watching the game. See, they're important right now. And guys, I, I see your Niners jerseys. I see all the red shirts. And, and God bless you. I'm with you. But can I tell you the question, see, the question of significance is how long will it matter? See, with important, the question is how much, but with significance, you want to ask, how long? And can I promise you, I hope, I hope the Niners win today. I hope they go to the Super Bowl. I hope they win the Super Bowl. But can I tell you, every one of you, two months from now, you're going to have moved on to other things. See, how long Will it matter? And this passage tells us that godliness is a better priority because it's going to last for a long time. See, it has benefits in this life. Godliness has benefits right here, right now, and benefits in the next. And don't let this phrase godliness throw you. You know, to be godly, it just simply means that you learn to see yourself through God's eyes and live your life God's way. That's what it means to be godly. I see myself through God's lenses, through his eyes, and I live my life God's way. And as you grow in that, you grow in godliness. And friends, it has benefits. Can I tell you, by, by growing in godliness, it has blessed and benefited every area of my life. My marriage, my parenting, my money, my health, my relationships. It has helped me, it's benefited me in this life but also it's preparing me for the next. It has benefits for the life to come because listen to me, friends, every one of you, you will go somewhere for all eternity. And that's why Jesus made the point of prioritizing your soul. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul. You know, right now, many of us in the church, we're trying to learn to prioritize our soul. We're trying to give focus and growing in godliness. So we've joined with our partnering church, Echo Church, to do this uh, 21 days of prayer. 
And I want to say, if you haven't started this yet, it's not too late. You can go to echo.church slash 21 days, and you can, you, can get the, you can download this on your phone, on your computer. And they have a day, every day, a short devotional to help you focus on growing in godliness and in prayer. And the very first devotional, Pastor Stacy Wood, she said this about your soul. She said that your soul is the only part of you that will matter a hundred years from now. You see, you want to prioritize your soul because it's going to last much longer than the clothes you're wearing, the car you're driving, even your 401k. See, and, and all those things are good. Friends, you know, it's good that you wore clothes today. Man, thank you. Thank you, right? Those are good things. But are, there are some things that matter more, better priorities. And one thing that I can promise you that will make your life better right now and all through 2020, but all through eternity, is when you prioritize your soul. And here's the challenge we all face with ordering our priorities because, man, good stuff is being thrown at us all the time. Should I do this? I need to do that. This needs attention. How do you, what does it mean to order your priorities? Well, would you write this down? Ordering your priorities is discerning how to do the right things at the right time for the right reasons. See, if any of these things get out of alignment, it's going to lead to frustration and anxiety and stress and lack of progress. So you want to do the right things at the right time for the right reason. In fact, I want to show you something that I think could be helpful when it comes to ordering your priorities. So I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about any given week. You know, over a week, we all have 168 hours to live our life. What are you going to do with that 168 hours that you have to live? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, this picture of water, I want you to picture this water. That's your energy, your time, your energy, your resources, the hours that you have in a given week. And these cups, I want these cups to represent all the different priorities, of things that need your focus and attention that, that you have to pour into. So let's let this first cup represent your relationship with God. And you're here, so hey, man, the cup's being filled up and you're pouring into that. And this cup will represent your relationships. So if you're married, this is your marriage. So this is going to be the year I'm going to get a couple's group. I'm going to start having date night. I'm going to make my marriage strong. And, and then if you have kids, let's say this cup is your parenting and all the stuff you need to pour into your, your kids to help them be healthy and, and grow. And then, then this cup is, if you're a student, it's your school life. But if you're working, this is your work life, your job that needs attention and energy. And then this cup is your finances. Man, I got to pay bills, get out of debt. I'm trying to save money and work on things. So this is your finances. And then let this cup represent this is your health. Like this is your like, man, I need to go to the gym. I'm going to start going to Zumba on Monday nights. And I'm going to uh, start going to Paul Spartan group. I'm going to get in shape. That's your physical life. And this was your service. Like I'm going to serve God by serving other people. And then let this cup represent all the other stuff I didn't even mention, right? Hey, I got to do chores and do laundry and go grocery shopping and fix the car and all of that. So you have all these cups, all these priorities that you need to give time and energy and attention to. And so this is your energy. 
This is your week. So, hey, I want to, man, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to pour into my spiritual life, and I'm going to get close to God and fill that cup up, and then I'm going to have a great marriage and love my spouse, and we're going to be really connected, and then I'm going to pour into my kids and make sure they do soccer and, and volleyball and dance class, and then, man, I have to work, and I have all these projects and things I have to get done at work, and I'm going to pour into that, and, and uh, oh, yeah, i got to give some financial attention and pour into that and then oh my physical life and 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 what happens do you ever feel like you just run out and then you end up running on empty you ever feel that way here's here's the deal friends we all live under this myth like i i end up i i pour out and i pour out and i pour out and then then i run out and then i'm in exhaustion and i just can't handle all this and sometimes we live with this myth that i can do it all that i can balance it all out and i'm going to fill up my cup and i'm going to do all that but friends you can't you can't live this way let's just tell the truth man this does not work right and some of you, you're trying to live with this, this myth that, that as a finite being operating in God's infinite universe, some of you are living with this Superman complex or this superwoman complex where you're trying to fill all your cups in your own power. But let's tell the truth. Where is it leading you? It's leading you to frustration and exhaustion and life is not getting better. And that's why this is so spiritual when you humbly recognize, I need to do what Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 in the Bible says. Look at this verse. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but, now underline this phrase, Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Friends, you know that the God of the universe, this limitless God who loves you and who cares about your life and wants to help you make your life better so you can make progress, that God is for you and not against you. He promises that if you will seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll, have, he'll add all these things unto you. He'll help you work that out and take care of that. See, as you give attention to this first cup, as you put God first, you, like you nail this down, you glue this down, like come what may, if all this other stuff doesn't get done, I'm going to make sure that I keep God first. Out of the overflow God will be faithful to help you and energize you and lead you in how to fill up all the other cups. In fact, that's how Jesus lived. I want you to look on your outline. Look at what Jesus said in John 5, 19 and 20. It says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. You see, Jesus, he had these eyes to see what God was doing, and he adjusted his priorities around that. Jesus knew where to pour out his energy at any given moment. Then he said this, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he's doing. Now that's Jesus, right? Jesus knew how to live a life dependent on the Father. 
And some of you think, oh, oh, that's Jesus. But friends, can I tell you, you can do it too. You can live that way too. Do you know, God promised that any person who would open up their heart to allow Christ to come into their life, God promised to send his Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, the paraclete. That word means the one who comes alongside to lead and guide and empower you to live life God's way. He'll give you his Holy Spirit and he'll give you spiritual eyes so that God can live through your unique shoes. So you'll know, where do I focus attention? Where do I pour out energy? Who do I love on? How do I use my gifts? Where do I serve? And friends, when you do it that way, can I say that life is just better when you cooperate with God and you allow his Holy Spirit to lead your life. In fact, I want to end by giving you three practical ways that you can pray through your priorities day by day. And it starts in your head, and it moves to your heart, and it's expressed through your hands. And it goes like this. Here's the first prayer. Would you write this down? Day by day, just get up every morning and pray, God, where do you want me to put my attention today? And you might want to, even before you get out of bed, when you open your eyes, or if you're a sleepy person when you wake up, get your coffee first, sit in your chair or get on your knees. God, where do you want me to put my attention? Now, maybe there's a kid that's hurting and needs more attention right now than the other kids. Or maybe there's a project at work that needs deep focus. God, where do you want me to give my attention today? And then the second prayer, would you write this down, is, is then you move from that, from your head, you're thinking about where do I need to give focus and attention? God, show me, lead me. And then from your heart, you want to pray, God, what do you want me to care more about? What do you want me to care more about? This is where you get the spiritual alignment and you say, God, there are things that are on your heart right now that you want them to be on my heart. There are some things that God really cares about, and then he wants to care about and address those needs through your unique heart. So, for example, right now, there are kids in villages who are dying because there's no clean water for them to drink. And I think God cares about that. Right now, I don't know how you're feeling on these really cold days, but whenever I see a homeless person, I just go, man, it is so freezing outside. How Oh my gosh, man, those, those poor people, how are they making it out in the cold? And I think God cares about that. Or there are some foster kids who are in the system who are just longing to be placed into a home where there's love and safety and security, and God cares about that. And sometimes we're tempted to think, well, God, if you really cared, you would do something about it. Well, could it be that God wants to do something about it through your unique heart and so you pray God what do you want me to care about more so I can't do everything I can't meet all the needs but I can focus on something where do I need to give attention what do I need to care more about and then the third prayer is a prayer that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. he prayed it changed his life changed his world and you could pray this prayer day by day and it will change your life and your world as well here's the prayer Use me, God. Use me, God, 
Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. And so here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. Let's, let's come to the action point of this whole message. I want to challenge you. Come Monday morning for you to get on your knees and to get before God in a posture of dependence. You know, there's something about, about getting on your knees before God and just declaring that, God, I don't want to do my life without you. Where you say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me with your love and your grace and your passion. Where you humbly confess and say, God, I, I, I can't do it. I can't love my family and take care of my f- kids and balance all the pressures on my life. I can't do it without you. And somehow, do you know the gracious, loving God, he meets us at our place of dependence on him. So I wonder if you would do that even today. Even now as we end this service, as uncomfortable as it might be for you. I wonder how many of you would be willing to get on your knees before God. In fact, I'm going to ask you, if you physically can, would you join me? Would you get on your knees right now before the God of the universe? Now, some of you can't. I know some of you, your knees are, but God knows in your heart (laughs) you're on your knees. But would you join me as we pray and ask our Heavenly Father to help us and lead us in this new year? Let's pray together. Our Father, Father in heaven, glory and honor and praise to your holy name. May your kingdom come and rule in our lives as we seek to put you first and do your will. And God, today, we humbly ask you to meet our daily needs and show us where to focus and pour out our attention and energy. And Jesus, forgive us for the many ways we've tried to do life apart from you. Forgive us for all the pride and selfishness and lust and deception. And with the same love and grace and forgiveness you pour into our lives, help us to forgive those who have hurt us. And Lord, protect us from the evil one and empower us to say no to temptation and yes to the things you care about. Use us, God, to shine your glory and build your kingdom this day and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody.